You're listening to the Soul Strategies Podcast with your hosts, Z Cohen Sanchez and Chris Abramson. If you're running for office or thinking about it, you're in the right place. We hope you enjoy the latest episode and thanks for tuning in. Awesome. So, hey everybody, Z here from Soul Strategies. I have an awesome guest here, Devin. Devin, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Devin Boss. I am one of the co-founders of an organization called Rose City Justice. Um, we have, we kind of came out of the, the protests that were a response to the murder of George Floyd. Um, we're a domestic nonprofit corporation, um, and our goal is to continue to educate the community and, and uh, uh, kind of embolden people and give them the ground they need to stand on to make those great choices for themselves moving forward. Nice. That's awesome. So one of the reasons why we love Rose City Justice so much is that here at Soul Strategies, you know, most people know what we do, but just to sort of recap, we work with candidates uh, to make sure that they outraise their incumbents. Um, this is something that's really important to us because at the end of the day, we do not have good representation. That's sort of the reason. I mean, there's a long history of why we're in this situation, right, which we could get into a little bit. but. The issues that we're seeing right now is that the people that are in these positions are not listening to the people. They're listening to corporations. They're listening to the people that are funding them. And so one of the reasons why, we, there's so many reasons why we love you guys, but one of the main reasons why is that you guys have kept up such amazing momentum during this whole thing. Um, and it hasn't been easy, <laughs> I'm sure. No, no. Um, and you could tell us a little bit about that, but it's really incredible with all these things going on right now. I mean, there's just so much happening. The world is flooded. I mean, we've got COVID and the Trump election and like and what happened to Bernie this year and everything. And you guys have really been able to keep people out. Right. And that's something that we haven't seen really, I don't think, ever here in Portland. Isn't it, have, have we like reached the most amount of days in protests ever? Or? Uh, I've... You know, I think I think the guys in the civil rights uh, era might, might, might still be giving us a run for our money as far as... Um, you know, boycotting the buses and whatnot. Yeah. And, um, but as far as modern day protests, I think I think we I think we've gone as far as anybody's gone in in recent memory. Yeah, and we're still going. And so. we're st and we're still going, uh, yeah. going pretty strong. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm very proud of our city and what we've been able to do and the way that people have been showing up. Um, nothing's perfect for sure, but I mean, it's just nice to see people continue to be engaged in whatever way that they can be. Totally. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like why you guys chose to form and why you think that this is so important right now? Like why why didn't we do this like three years ago? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, um, we we really formed as a response to something. You know, it was a reaction. Um, it was a very reactionary grouping. Um, everything happened organically, naturally. Nobody no, nobody woke up and said it's time to form something. It's time to make something happen. Um, really, I my you know myself, um, other members of the organization. Um, we all just kind of happened upon each other. One of the uh, other co-founders whose name is Darren Golden, I've known him since I was a child, um, great guy. And I ran into him while I was down at the first protest and then we ran into other members, ran into a couple of other members. And then we, we had this kind of like original six with us and we all marched together through the protest and you know, that's all we really wanted to do was be a part of something and stand up and you know, um, show up. Uh, and by the end of the night, you know, Darren had the megaphone in his hand. He asked me if I had anything to say, and you know, I always got—I always have something to say. Um, <laughs> so you know, I said something, and there was a there was a good response to it. And you know, we said to each other, same time, same place, and we kind of just went with that. And 
the, the more we went on, the more we pushed forward, the more it kind of seemed like naturally people were f gravitating to us and following us. And so we decided to put a name to it. After we put a name to it, we decided to organize more. What are we doing? How are we doing it? And then, you know, that starts forming. And then, you know, we made the, we made the decision to actually corporate and form like an actual organization that could, that could be an entity that protects the individuals. Um, so we went forward with that. And then everything else, everything else just kind of fell into place after that. Nice. That's awesome. So how do you guys protect people? Like, say, can some, and first of all, can people donate to you guys too? Is that like... Yeah, people can donate to us. Yeah. We have a Cash App, PayPal, all those things, um, Rose City Justice. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, and a lot, in a lot of ways when we were out there doing, doing these um, fishy activities, we wanted to make sure that we were protecting the individuals and giving them an entity that could take the, the brunt of that totally. um, yeah. force, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's really important. So you were saying earlier that you know you're you're from Portland, born and raised. So can you tell us a little bit about like what has your experience been like growing up here in Portland? Like what? How do you feel about our elected leaders? How do you just feel about this city in general? Um, the city has undergone a tremendous amount of changes since I've been a child, right? So I mean, when I grew up, I had a very sandlot childhood. There were a lot of black kids, a lot of black uh, postful youth. Um, in my neighborhood, everywhere, throughout the entire neighborhood, when we and we had stomping grounds, we had places that we all congregated in, and you know saw as our second homes. You know, Whitaker. Um, there were other restaurants. You know, spots where little knucklehead kids go and hang out and stay out and you know have like this middle ground of trouble. We're not in too much trouble, but we're obviously still being mischievous. Um, and a lot of that has gone away now. And you know, the city has transitioned into um, an era of modernity, and you know continuing to upscale upscale and push push old Portland out which uh, unfortunately looked a lot like pushing black people out you know like I have no problem with forward progress it's just that it never really seemed like these black families were allowed to be a part of that progress um, and you know you see you see these these symbols that once meant something to me and, and and the people who I grew up with and they're gone Whitaker's gone you know Mr. Burger's gone like anything that meant anything to the black community has been uprooted and has been replaced with like a mud bay or like you know the the Whitaker school is just an empty lot they, they didn't replace it with anything that could that could serve as like um, a new, a new kind, a new kind of haven for for another generation of youth. They just turned into uh, a vacant lot, and so what happened was everybody fragmented. People started peeling off one way or the other, and we lost all of our our, our, our points of centralization. Yeah. And so you know, once you take away all those points, it's a, you kind of you kind of remove like that that stickiness that keeps us all together, that adhesive kind of quality of our neighborhood that kept us all together. Yeah. Um, and so people just started splitting off, selling their houses, going this way, going that way. And, you know, you could see it over the years as, we, as people started fading away. And now, and now myself, I feel like a ghost in my own neighborhood. I feel like a ghost in my own town. I feel like a stranger. Yeah, I mean, could you even afford a house in, in your neighborhood No, I, could, I couldn't sell that house and then go back to a different, you know, you sell yeah. that house. And, find somewhere else right totally. um, but yeah the, the the property of the you know those properties have uh, increased tremendously honestly. I mean like you can't find anything in Portland under like a million dollars yeah it's, rid yeah. it's ridiculous yeah. I mean it's very similar to what happened in New York like downtown I mean they literally just continue to push the black community further and further and further up yeah. until there's literally no place left I mean like people are in Westchester and places like that but it's nowhere near the city yeah. it's expensive to commute they can't afford the houses there anymore I mean yeah. it's just yeah it's and like it's black strutting. families really used to be where like you know the the some of the hot spots in Portland now like those used to be black homes black families 
I mean, I'm not gonna lie and say it was all black, but a, but it was there was a lot of black life in those neighborhoods around places that people wanted to live in. Yeah. And you know, those places are you know, people want people want those spots. Um, nobody wants to live out in in the numbers. You know, everybody wants to live in a place where there's a hospital right here, there's a Walgreens right here, there's a mall right there. You know, those central those central points. And northeast was northeast is a is a great great spot for that. You know, especially the area that I live in. You know, you you, you turn anywhere and there's a an amazing place. Totally. So you know, yeah. so it's 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 unfortunate, but it is it is kind of the reality of, of growing up in this kind of city, and being one of the few people that had a my circumstances allowed us to stay, and it was just kind of sad watching people fade away. Yeah, for sure. Are your parents still here? Or? No, my family has since you know gone there, gone their own routes. You know, my brother is in Seattle, mom and sister in Texas, dad's also in Washington. So everybody's kind of all over the place, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be holding it down for now and I don't think we'll ever sell our family home because it means something it means something to us totally no I completely understand so how do you feel I mean being that you've grown up here I it's sort of I mean I'm gonna be honest it's kind of rare to meet somebody that like grew up in Portland I mean, yeah so many, we're unicorns yeah totally so I mean tell me a little more like I mean you've seen this sort of like shift and change of like elected leaders right like mm -hmm. especially where you grew up like how do you feel do you feel like things have gotten worse have they gotten better like how do you sort of feel that whole like process has gone uh, yeah I mean I don't know I feel like I feel like a lot of people in those positions are doing like the bare minimum um, in order to just kind of assuage the community and kind of calm down the yelling right so it's like you you do as, as little as possible and mask it as a, a great deed um, and so I would just rather I would like to see a little a little more imagination in those in those areas you know people people like to say that can't happen that cannot just because it hasn't happened and it hasn't happened for a reason because it benefits the people who are currently running those positions totally. right so it's like we need people that have more skin in the race making those decisions and pushing those pushing that envelope yeah for sure how does so I mean you don't have to speak on behalf of Rose City Justice if you guys haven't like discussed this yet but how do you guys feel about just the electoral process in general like do you feel like people should be involved do you feel like it's sort of secondary like how do you guys just like feel about it in general just in general um as I said you can always just answer as yourself if you, if you guys haven't like talked about it in depth or anything yeah I mean I feel I feel like the I don't know man I mean, the process could definitely be improved, but I don't know if I'm the right person to say in what way. Yeah, totally. No, I get that. But, like, do you guys feel like change can happen? I know a lot of people are just like, listen, we've done this for, you know, forever, and just things have not changed. So yeah. Do you guys feel like there, there is space for change there, or do you think it's sort of just, like, hopeless at this point? I think, I think, that, I think that we have to we have to believe that there, that there is change. You know, like, I think that trying to fix something using the same system that created the problem the same in the first place is a little is a little bit of a contradictory kind of way to go about things so yeah. um yeah i feel like something has to change and we have to just you know while uh, we have to just like reimagine the ways in which we can all coexist right it's like we've never seen this kind this kind of uprising and we've never seen We've never seen like a world in which like police have like been drastically reformed and so maybe the ways in which these changes have gone about aren't the right ways mm -hmm. and so you know I, I i would love to see some more imagination in that in that realm and, and people kind of challenging what they think they know to be true totally i mean we talk about this a lot like the argument between defunding the police and you know sort of the you know 
and whether that's possible or not, I guess, is the real Abolition question. Abolition kind yeah. of versus reformation type of deal. Right, totally. And, like, I just wonder, I mean, it's kind of interesting that you said um, it, we have to reimagine the way yeah. things are. Because the world's changed, right? I mean, things are not the way they were in the 50s. Right, and So, right. like, we didn't have social media 20 years ago. And so, like, that's really changed the game. So, you're the first person that I've heard that, that has said that. And I think that's really powerful. I wonder, you know, when it comes to, like, reform versus defund like how do you how do you guys feel about that just as you know as black leaders in this city like what does that mean sort of to you guys well i just i just really think that i don't like i think that i think that having those conversations really just distracts from the point a lot you know i think that reformation is on the way to defunding so i just, i think we just need to move towards that direction and not get so caught up in the details between that that kind of distinguish the two um because it's just any, any any tactic that can be used to like keep us arguing with each other serves to kind to kind of be counterproductive in a way to to the end goal that we're trying to achieve. Um, and I just and I just want to see like I think that at some point there are, there there will always have to be some form of governing force to you know. But I just think that that needs to look completely different. It needs to have a drastic overhaul. I mean, we need to completely uproot it and and recreate it in our own image. Yeah. It's only created in one person's image right now. Um, so I mean that talk can happen as soon as we've got as soon as we've diminished their budget Which is just astronomical. I mean their budget is gigantic and I think chipping away at that budget and, and um, reinvesting it in programs that um, Promote healthy community a community that doesn't need to be so heavily policed and then completely uh, uprooting that policing force and re-educating it, retraining it, and, and and reframing it. Like these are these are things that we can all start to talk about. But like right now, it's all just about about getting it into check and 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 you know restructuring it. Totally. I was actually I saw something the other day that was just disgusting to me. It was like police a police budget for one police uniform, like for their whole gas tear gas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like thirteen hundred dollars or something versus a nurse that's like fighting COVID is like two dollars and seventeen cents or something. Oh, exactly. And you know, I I work for the nurses union during the day, so whenever I think about this, I just I mean the fact that our nurses haven't even had like COVID you know protection, they haven't had PPE, and yet. We have tear gas that's costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's literally giving people seizures. I've seen it. So that they, so that they can continue to bully their own citizens and treat their citizens like foreign invaders. Yeah, totally. And like I remember, AOC had said, you know, when we talk about defunding the police, we're talking about it looking like a rich neighborhood in this country, right? Right. Like rich neighborhoods don't have. I mean, they have police presence, but they don't have police presence like they do in, in black poor neighborhoods. Yeah, it's not like an oppressive force. Right, yeah. They, they get to know the people in the neighborhood, right? Like, it becomes a collaboration and not a, yeah, not somebody forcing themselves. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, the way that everything has been set up is just so corrupt. Yeah, I mean, look, just think about the ways that they look at different people. You know, they look at a protester, and it's a very us versus them mentality, which is, like, that's a, that's, that's a terrible start. So if we're out here and we're and we're and we're outraged and stuff, like there's no there's not really a lot of listening going on that and that and those those are things that are like in your in your face kind of revelations. It's like they don't get it. Yeah. Because you know you see you see you see cops out here ready to tear gas people with smiles on their face. Yeah. And it's like I would I would at least like feel conflicted about it. You yeah. Know? Exactly. <laughs> I mean you should right. I mean it's, yeah, it shouldn't so be so easy. It's... I just think that us versus them mentality is really sad to see. And it's like we have to, there's just a lot of forces that we have to fight against in order to make this like a successful mission. And one of the things is just, 
it's just deprogramming a lot of people, breaking down these these barriers of like assumption of people's uh, character and you know these these implicit associations, right? And so a lot of that stuff is just inherent. It's just it's just so so problematic. Yeah. We have to we have to th those are the types of things that we have to fight against. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. So, I mean, I think it's really so, you know, we're we're coming up on the, you know, 2020 election. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, how do you guys feel? I mean, really, you know, it, to me it sort of feels like either way we're sort of screwed, right? Um, but, but but like how do you guys feel about it? I mean, do you feel like, you know, a vote for Biden right now is going to push us in the right direction? Do you feel like sort of screwed or uh, I don't think I don't think that either candidate is a, is, is I wouldn't consider anything like a victory right I would consider one candidate obviously a loss but at the end of the day no matter what happens with this presidential election um, this race is people have to stay awake like they can't go back to sleep one way or the other if if Mr. Orange loses, that doesn't mean that America is is great because America was never great before yeah. before he came here and became our president. It was it was a it was a crap show. But when 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 Obama was president, because it's because it's America, there was always there was always racial tension and and problems teeming underneath. Um, it just took somebody um, foolhardy enough to expose all of it. Yeah, you know, like totally. all Trump did was expose the problems that have always existed in America. Um, and so now that they're out in the open, I, I encourage everybody to keep their eyes open and not and not to close them once it becomes a little, just a little bit more convenient. I, yeah. A part of me really believes that if Biden gets uh, elected, I'm just hoping that like it doesn't cut our forces down like by 15%. Yeah. I'm just hoping that that there's not that privileged class that is joined in because of the outrage of Trump and not because of the outrage of black lives being lost. Totally. And so that's that's, that's the main thing that I'm inter interested in seeing is like who's here because of their own self-interest or because of the interests of humanity as a whole. Totally. I'm I'm with you. I mean, and it's you know, I think that one of the things we sort of, you know, don't really think about, we think about elections like four weeks in advance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like two, or like two weeks, you know. I mean, and sometimes even less than that. Um, you know, I read the other day that people decide who they're going to vote for sometimes 48 hours before. So, right. you know, and that sort of shows our lack of engagement that we've had in this whole process. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's I believe it's done on purpose. Um, and one of the things that we've sort of noticed is that particularly in what we call you know progressive cities, like Portland is considered quote unquote a progressive city, right. we don't we still don't have primary challengers. Like literally, I mean, there are seats that people have been sitting in for 30 plus years right. and not been challenged. Right. And it's, I mean, really just, it's incredible to see that nobody, you know, everybody sort of thinks about the presidential level and like how big that is, but mm -hmm. nobody wants to think about city council, right? right? Like nobody wants to think about, you know, the city commissioner, who by the way, makes so many decisions that affect police. Right. Um, so yeah, how do you guys feel about like the local level seats and, you know, do you guys, are you guys sort of worried that people aren't challenging, or do you? How do you guys feel about that? I mean, I would definitely like to see people getting challenged because that drives that drives like quality up, right? I mean, that's that's why capitalism exists, right? It's like yeah. you know, it, it, it drives everything up. So, so for them not to take that same stance with with something as important as those seats, I do I do think is interesting because as long as as long as you understand that if you don't do your job well, that you'll lose your job, you'll do your job well. But if you feel if you feel that good about your the security of your job, then complacency is right around the corner. Totally, yeah. I mean, they're just, you know, I, if you're not being pushed, like, who cares, right? right I mean, right, if you're not being exactly. held accountable. And yeah, so one of the things that we're, we're so focused on right now is really looking for people to run. 
right, um, in 2022, because we believe that as progressives, the way that we win our races isn't by buying a ton of ad time. We, we win our races at the door, right. right? Like, we win our races when we're having conversations like this with right. people that have never voted before, and there's so many of those people. It's insane. Right. Um, and so to do that, we, we got to raise a lot of money, and we got to get a lot of momentum. And that's something that we think Rose City Justice is great at, is that you guys build momentum, you capitalize on it, and you really, you keep people out. That's, that's really what a, a people-powered movement is. Um, and so, you know, we, we're really looking for folks like in, in your circles and people that are out of these protests to really sort of step up and say, you know, I could do this. This is something I could do. And people say all the time, well, I'm not qualified. And there's really no such thing, right? Like as being qualified. I mean, you know, a Harvard or a Yale graduate, I mean, who really cares, right? right. Like what matters is that you, you're out there on the front lines. Mm -hmm. Like how do you guys feel about, um, just that whole process, like, I mean, do you guys feel like it's something that has been sort of an easy access point for you guys or something that's been really hard? Uh, as far as being in the position that we currently hold? Yeah, and like to be able to, you know, th even think about the, the process of running and how that would like work. Oh, yeah, I haven't given that a single thought. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm really just a passionate, concerned black male in America, you know? I play that role really well um, and yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't take a lot of experience other than the experience that I, the experience that I inherently have to be what I've been, um, and so that's been easy for me. the the pro, the, the road this road hasn't been easy, but being who I've been inside the vehicle on this road has been easy. Yeah. Um, I if, if if I have to be perfectly honest, so I I definitely haven't given a single thought to running for office. Um, yeah, it's not something that I thought that I've ever thought about. Like when I think about myself, I don't think about I don't think about positions like that because, um, unfortunately, I'm like I'm super genuine, and I don't think that that's a place for super genuine people to go. <laughs> it's a place for genuine people to get their hearts broken. Yeah, it's, well, that's I mean, that, there's truth to that, right? Um, but you know, I think that there is there is space for for you know maybe not you in particular because mm -hmm. you hold such like a, an important role in in this protest movement. Um, and so to take away from that, I think would, would, would be terrible, but you know, the people that are sort of here and doing this work yeah, with you guys, yeah. I mean, to have, you know, there, there's a reason why Bernie became as popular as he did, right? Like right, we, right. we saw this sort of a real genuine aspect to him, right? Like yeah. this person is really in this for the right reasons, you know, yeah. like he's, he's a working class people like us. Um, and that's something that I think we're really lacking now is that, you know, we have all these people that are sort of the bourgeoisie class, you know, that sort of get these positions and because they have a lot of money connections and they have a lot of easy sort of access points that that we don't have. Yes, you know, that, that elitism. Yeah. And, you know, particularly, I, I wonder if you want to talk a little bit about, you know, the sort of process for, for people of color and like not asking you to sort of speak for, for everybody, but, you know, you sort of live this this life. And so like thinking about like, you know, AOC has sort of broken that, that wall a little bit, and yeah. Rashida and Ilhan and, you know, this sort of new group. But sort of just, like, give us sort of, like, an overview about how you sort of feel about that, you know, about that whole process and how it has or hasn't been accessible. Yeah, I mean, I think we spoke on it a little bit earlier. It's just, like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of black people, a lot of minorities aren't really raised in the, on the same... They're not really raised in the same way that um, a lot of white people are raised. You know, like a lot of my white friends, um, they just have like what seems like to be this innate knowledge of like politics and, and business and, and certain things. 
And I think a lot of that has to do with your upbringing and the, uh, the luxuries that, that you might have been afforded because you had parents that both had really good jobs or, you know, parents that didn't have to, like, you know, like I, I spoke to you earlier about, like, my parents didn't really have time to, like, educate me on politics or, like, read newspapers or things to me like that. I mean, my dad and my mom were both working, like, two jobs or working a job and going to school full time. And, you know, I was getting raised by the, the, the TV in my kitchen often, you know. Um, they were putting food on the table. Um, and so, you know, it's just it's just kind of a, a, a different dynamic, a different family dynamic. Um, and I think that plays a, a huge role in the in the things that you prioritize in your life. Totally. When you when you're when you're when you're raised, when the, the, the people that raise you, like they kind of signify like a need to survive first. Like we need to survive first before we can add the like to me it almost is like a luxury just being able to worry about politics it's like yeah. that's like a sec that's that's not second nature for a second nature second nature is like let's make sure that we have food let's make sure that we have everything that we need to keep the lights on yeah um and yeah like like now in my life now my life has gotten into a point you know a few years ago i got to a point where i was like oh i have a good job and i really started being able to focus on but it's like you know you never really had time like that coming up and so yeah. And that's why you see a lot of black people that don't even look in the direction of politics. First of all, we don't see people that look like us there. We don't see we don't see we don't see the the value in it. Yeah. You know, um, and that's and that and I would I would really like to change that, and I would like to get more black people inspired and in seeing that seeing the purpose and the and the the importance of, of getting in that game, getting in that fight, and and you know, there's there's a lot that black people have to add to that realm. Yeah. Mexican people too, like the, the BIPOCs in general. Like I think that more representation will obviously point point us in the right direction. I think that movements like the one that we're currently engaged in, like you can, can you can see the difference between when it's led by black people and when it's not led by black people. Yeah. You know when it has the heart and the chest, and when it's just an empty vessel. You know I think it's super important to make sure that you have representation because otherwise the uh, intention behind it is going to completely dictate it's going to determine which way you go yeah for sure i, I feel it like when i when i when it's black led versus not when you're in the crowd you, you get that like vibe I, I know what you're sort of talking about it's, yeah. it's it's very different and that's why you know and of course when when it's black led i mean it's just so much more powerful it's so much more you know directed because you guys are, are the folks experiencing this and so to be able to to lead that and to really sort of take charge of that i think is, is just so in, invaluable and important um, and so, you know, if one of the things that we are so focused on is, as I said, getting people of color through the door uh. to us and letting us help them sort of build out that campaign and letting us help them to raise that money so they can outraise their incumbents and, and give them the encouragement that they really need to, to get there because we are organizers, you know, we're all former AOC Bernie staff. Right. Um, we're not in this to, you know, work with centrists. We're in this to work with real working class people. That's right. what we care about. Um, and particular people of color here in Portland. I mean, we just, we need better representation. Ted Wheeler, gotta go. I mean, <laughs> really like, you know, I mean, really gotta go. And, and there's so many more. I mean, it's not even just Ted Wheeler, right? Like it's it's just yeah. every level, everywhere. Is yeah, like acting, acting like, Ted Wheeler or Trump is like the source of the problem is always funded in me because it's, it's like acting like the problem hasn't existed since America existed. Exactly. So the problem is America and America needs to take a long hard look in the mirror and say how, what am I contributing to the problem? Not am I, like what am I contributing to the problem? I think most people in this, in this country should take time out to ask themselves what they're contributing mm -hmm. and to reverse that process and stop and stop kind of pointing the finger at everybody else mm -hmm. um, and just try to make sure that your backyard is clean first before you try to clean somebody else's. Um, yeah. 
So there's just, there's just, there's a, it's it's a multifaceted issue. It's layered. It's dynamic. It's complex. Um, and so I'm all for getting very problematic people out of positions of power, but making sure that we keep full scope of like the exact like like what's going on. Yeah, exactly. We gotta have self-reflection. So if we don't, yeah, we're we're just churning over new people into positions that are problematic. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, he's a he's a problem, but the system is the problem. Yeah, the like system's the first, a problem, the, right? Like Trump Trump is yeah, he's a jackass and he and he and he's and he's wielding the power of America in a way that's very problematic. But uh but the the, the tool, the system, all of that is the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, he sucks, but the system, once he's gone, who's to say that another person with, with sweet words and ill intentions can't do the same thing. Totally. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, and I think that this is why Bernie sort of became as popular as he did because he was the first person that really said, the system is just, yeah. has failed us, yeah. right? Like, and I mean, and it, you know, the problem sort of comes down to is, is the money in politics and like how that sort of dictates the way that we sort of run things. I mean, the private prison system. I mean, yeah. all these things have sort of led us to yeah, we got to take a hard look at ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It's it's problematic, but you know, I'm really glad that you guys are doing this. Like, I'm yeah. I'm truly, I I thank you guys for putting not just you know your own bodies on the line, but but helping others when they do that as well. I think is so important. Like, um, so you were telling us, how are you guys sort of connected to any bail funds or anything like that? Um, we have we have assisted. We've never actually. I don't think we've ever actually put one up ourselves, but we've promoted other ones, um, and and donated to other ones. Um, so that's that's kind of you know it's if there's already something that's been no need to re, uh, remake the wheel. So if there's yeah. if there's already a, a fund, we can just use our platform to uh, promote it and to try and get funds pushed into that direction. Totally awesome. So do you guys think it's a good idea for folks in your sort of circles to to get up and run? You know, uh, I think people should definitely crawl and walk first. Yeah. <laughs> um, I never want. I never want to. You know, me and my group we're very passionate, and we have. Uh, you know, our hearts are in the right places, but I just want to make sure that they stay in the right places and aren't and aren't and aren't clouded by aspirations such as those. When things happen naturally, I think that's like the healthiest way. Mm -hmm. um, and so if that's if that is in any way, shape or form something that is right for anybody in my organization, I'm sure that it will come into fruition in the right time. Yeah. But right now, I think the most important thing is just like serving the community and like figuring out how to stay as adaptable and, and agile as possible in order to meet the immediate needs of the people that need us like right now. Totally, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I think that you guys, you know, I mean, the fact that you guys have built some, this something this powerful, I think really says something about how, how you guys have sort of, I mean, taken something really horribly painful. I mean, I know that this has sort of been happening forever, but you know, just this year in particular, the things that have come to light have been really painful. And I'm, I'm glad that you guys are sort of, you know, Nobody's just sort of retreated. You guys right. are, are out there and you guys are, you know, making the noise and that's so important. So I just want to say again, thank you so much, like for being here, for talking with us. Yeah. Um, you know, tell tell them again your cash app, all that. So donate to Rose City Justice. Oh, yeah, it's all, it's all Rose City Justice. Um, PayPal, Rose City Justice. Venmo, Rose City Justice. Uh, cash app, Rose City Justice 6. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we, much appreciated. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna continue to be out here. I'm a black man from Portland, Oregon, and 
it's going to take a bullet to stop me from fighting for black people. So Awesome. That's great. And we're out here as allies with you. So guys, seriously, um, please donate to this to this group, to Rose City Justice. Out of all the places that I can think that you should be donating to, these guys are the ones you should be because this is real. Your money will be really sort of going to the, the real sort of street action that, that we need. So please donate whatever you can um, and we will see you soon. Thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate it.